This is a special edition of the podcast here. I have a, uh, a new uh, new group I've started working with, and they're called Tractor Zoom. And uh, Tractor Zoom is very, uh, not necessarily new to the market, but kind of new to everyone's uh, uh, foresight here. So everyone, this is uh, kind of a, more or less of an introduction. I did have Kyle McMahon from Tractor Zoom on here probably a month or two ago, back in November, I guess is when it was. Uh, we were at the WIDA conference, and he was uh, he was there, and I'm, I'm really a big fan of this of this uh, product here so i'm gonna let kyle talk about it a little bit but this uh company's name is tractor zoom and they're uh, out of iowa and basically the the, the overarching fifty thousand foot view concept of what they're doing is they're making it easy to find auction data and and nothing more important in the equipment business than auction data so kyle welcome to the show man how you been I am doing pretty well. Thanks for having me on, Casey. No, it's that's a great pleasure. So, uh, ran into Kyle here um, probably late summer last 20, 2018, 2019, I guess. And uh, we kind of pitched me what he was doing and, and where they were going from. And I thought it was a, a very novel idea because you know we spend a lot of time looking at different auction data that's out there and and trying to figure out what's going to work best where. And then how do we how do we qualify that data and quantitate it into enough uh information that we can go out and make decisions on it right so i've got spreadsheet after spreadsheet after spreadsheet full of of auction data and different trend lines and trying to see if i can make these things do that and lo and behold kyle's created a nice easy place for me to go look at all this data and get everything pulled out so kyle why don't you explain what tractor zoom is how you came with the idea and and a little bit of your background who you are yeah certainly so I guess before I started Tractor Zoom, two just over two years ago, I was basically a land jockey buying and selling farmland all across the Midwest for a private equity group uh, called Summit Farms up in North Central Iowa. Uh, had me going to a thousand farmland machinery auctions in uh, less than four years. So that's literally four four auctions a week. Uh, not to mention all of the uh, real estate uh, other listings that we were chasing. So got, got to know a ton of auctioneers in the market, a lot of respect for what everybody did. Um, and I wanted to buy some more equipment uh, for our hobby operation down in Southeast Iowa. And I said, hey, I know the auction market. That's where I'm going to go. And uh, lo and behold, I saw some issues in the, in the market. It's hard to find exactly what you wanted. Uh, so we started Tractor Zoom. It's a, it's a website you can go to or a mobile app that you can download that we're aggregating auctions from 375 auction companies all across the uh, United States. Uh, and it's growing much more quickly today than it was in the very beginning. You know, as uh, early days, you have to convince people it's like pulling teeth to get them on. But uh, I think we've signed on 61 auction companies just here in the last uh, 60 days. So the auction, the auction market is is heating up really quickly right now. And I will cover that in a bit. Uh, and through this process, we kept getting calls from appraisers, auctioneers, dealers, bankers saying, Hey, looks like you have a lot of auction information. Uh, can you, can you help me figure out what something's worth? 
So we launched a, another product called Iron Comps, um, and it's a it's a database to where we're using a lot of the auction market data to help drive uh, purchase decisions, financing decisions. Uh, anybody that's looking to value something, whether it's buying, selling, financing, or insuring, uh, really driving what's going on in the market today. So it's giving you the insights to the market, uh, allowing you to make smarter decisions. Right on. Okay, so let's see. I'm a I'm a lonely used equipment guy here working for a for a dealership, and I I'm uh, looking at some trade ins that come in across my desk from various. Uh, various end users out there and I'm trying to figure out um, what the best way for me to uh, to tell what that is and I'm sure in your auction um, experience what you've been through there's uh, there's probably about three different kinds of auctions right you've got a you got a retirement or estate sale type of thing you've got a, a consignment sale and then you have uh, kind of like a like a bankruptcy or a disbursement type um, type of sell that you're going to have so um your data that you collect um how do you differentiate that stuff is that something that you pay attention to the differentiation in the in the markets yeah definitely uh, that's kind of step one so uh, at the start of an auction we're collecting a lot of information of when where how's it selling why is it selling because in the end that affects price right and uh, it also affects the, the buyer's mentality uh, naturally, if it's a consignment auction, the first thing you say is, what's wrong with it? Right. Yeah. If it's a retirement auction or state auction, it's, mm-hmm. hey, Joe down the road took care of his equipment. Um, and there's a big price difference between the two. And it's, it's how, do, how can we utilize and leverage the, the data that we have to help people really understand what that is? And uh, you can start to visualize that by uh, parsing that data and, and auction results within the software. Yeah. Okay, so you, you talked about the sixty-one auction companies that you have that that are that are contributing to your site. What are they contributing, and then how are you dicing that information up? So we get uh, that's uh, part of part of that's our secret sauce. We use some uh, some machine learning and so forth, mm-hmm. uh, artificial intelligence to help assist with that. And it's it's a lot of data, and it's a lot of uh, unstructured uh, data, if you will. So we actually go through the process of quality assuring all information that comes in. So it's it's accurate and we know we can trust it and we know we can trust it when people are trying to value information. So it goes through this big rigorous quality assurance step once the information comes in, we, we uh, confirm everything is good, fair, and accurate. And then we can start to use that information later on. So uh, I, I, I guess putting that into more machinery terms, we're going to help standardize and make some models um, and some of the uh, options, if you will, on each of those pieces of equipment. So then it's more usable information uh, in your fingertips. Instead of like going to Google and just typing in a keyword, right. uh, it actually allows you to type in, hey, I'm looking for a, a John Deere S680 combine. Show me all the comps that are within uh, 900 and 1300 SEP hours that have sold within 200 miles of me in the last six months uh so really getting granular within that data so it's it's very regional specific and i guess the way we've kind of we think about it is much like an appraiser would um with what's what's the most relevant to the piece that i'm trying to appraise effectively and and derive that uh that value of what it's worth today 
mm-hmm. uh, not necessarily six months ago, not a, not a, uh, advertised price, you know, we can all ask 300,000 for our S680, but we know they trade between 115 and 150 at times. Right. Yeah. So have you got your, are you granular enough to say that if I'm that same S680 example you have there that I want to know if it's, I want to know what same criteria you just spit out there, but it, I want it to make sure it's got four wheel drive and it's got a, a chopper and, um, you know, it's, uh, duels or whatever you know whatever specs you want to really yeah. dial into can you do that on your site yet so so as the software continues to evolve there's some of those that you're not going to be able to yet but as we continue finding uh better data and information and better ways to do that uh you, you certainly can so like drive yeah you can um some of them you're able to visually see uh through all the description so whatever information the auctioneer is able to provide for us that's available to the end user. So they can dive in and, and literally look at every detail and every image of that piece of equipment. So you can see all those comps helping you make that decision. Right on. Right on. Okay. Yeah. So let's take, let's talk about some of the data that you're bringing in and what you see happening so far. So no big secret to anybody. There's more auctions right now than there've been uh, even last year. And last year was even busy uh, compared to the year before that. So the auction market is starting to um, become a commonplace. I really think that the auction market is becoming more of a retail marketplace than it is anything. I think there's obviously you're not going to get the same bang for your buck at, at some auctions that you're going to get, um, you know, selling it yourself or, or you know, the dealer's going to get on their lot. But that being said, there's a lot of auctions out there that are bringing more money than what dealers are selling stuff for on their lot. Um, talk about what you've seen happen so far here. Now, here we are. Uh, today's what, March 6th? We've got, uh, you know, about three two months, almost three months here under our belt of, of solid auction data here going through uh, the first year. Talk about some of the volume you're seeing and what you see happening out there. There is, uh, we're uh, somewhat joking earlier that it's, it's a very busy March and then we put numbers to paper and so far in the first six days, there's already been 50 auctions. Yeah. Uh, so to put that in perspective, January, we tracked 145 auctions and 30 of those were uh, estate and retirement auctions. In February, that number jumped up from 145 to 215 auctions. Uh, you know, that's a traditional year. But now so far in March, we've already tracked 41 auctions. And we have a backlog of 110. Uh, we ain't, we're, we're not going to be surprised if March breaks 300 auctions of retirements, consignments, um, it, it is astonishing to us to see how many auctioneers out there are selling iron today that traditionally never have. And I don't know if it's a volume related game. There's so much volume coming at these guys that somebody else is uh, able to pick up business or if it's commission related, um, who, who's able to, to get some iron to sell today. But there are, there are a lot of auctions out there right now. And uh, I mean, heck, tomorrow alone, there's 17. Right. And that's, that's Saturday, March 7th. There's 17 auctions, and half of them are retirements. Yeah. Yeah, there's plenty of retirement sales going on right now. The auctions that you watch, you're tracking right now, do you see them yeah. in one part of the country more than someplace else? Like, for example, do you see more in Texas than you would anywhere else? I mean, where are you, where are you seeing these, these auctions pop up at? Geographically, 
I, I, I don't know if it's directly re- related to the weather from last year, but we're seeing a lot over in, uh, so naturally, Minnesota, Illinois, um, and Iowa to a point, uh, and, and the Dakotas are the biggest auction states in our opinion. Right. We think more auction volume uh, per farmer, if you will, trades in those states mm-hmm. versus uh, called the Wheat Belt or Texas or the South or the East or the West. And, and that even shows through a lot of the auctioneer associations we're part of. Um, Minnesota is really, really strong with the amount of auctioneers there are. And I think that's a classic way of, of dispersing assets. Um, so we're still seeing a lot of volume in those areas. And we're starting to see quite a bit of volume um, uh, east, of, east of Iowa, if you will. Yeah. So the the Illinois, Wisconsin, and Indiana territories are, are they're, they seem to be picking up compared to what they have in the past. Right on. Okay. All right. So of these auctions, what's the biggest piece of, of platform of equipment? So is it combines, tractors, four wheel drives, sprayers? What what is it that you're seeing the most of, or is it kind of a hodgepodge of everything? So, you know, as a retirement, uh, you know, there's always a, a hodgepodge of it all. Mm-hmm. We're seeing quite a few tractors, and we're seeing some stabilization in the 300-plus horsepower categories of, of uh, model, model year 2010 or newer. It seems to be running uh, fairly steady in, in the high-horsepower class. Uh, there's still quite a bit of volume there, but we're also seeing a lot of volume come in between the 175 and 300-horsepower class. Okay. Uh, I guess you'd call it... Um, more traditional row crop and not your major equipment or, or high horsepower stuff. But we're, start, we're starting to see some weakness in, in those prices as we're starting to look back in the last three months as compared to, to last year. Are you seeing that in the dealer level? Uh, I think it depends on what it is. Um, I, I guess what I'm seeing happen more than anything, I think that's driving price is that the fact of when you look at what's coming to market for auction value it, or for auction items, it's all the same stuff, right? It's a it's a 2012 combine with 1,500 separator hours or 2,500 separator hours. It's a it's a 2014 or 15 model or 13 model row crop tractor that's got 6,000 hours on it, 7,000 hours on it. Um, it's a sprayer that's got 3,500 hours on it. It's those kind of things where either they bought it all brand new back in 12, 13, 14 and never traded it again. And now they're kind of at a point of have to, not really don't want to, but I kind of have to do something here to keep efficient or, you know, it just doesn't fit my operation anymore or whatever it might be. And uh, to me, if you look at, so I tracked a number of, of, of hours, and how many machines are in those hours for each segment for combines, for example. So, you know, if you track along where you're at, there's a huge bulge in the combine market from 1,000 to 2,500 hours. It's just, it's like a bell curve. You know, it's just a perfect bell curve. It's, it's huge. It's, it's very defined. You can't miss it. And those are all 2012, 2013, 2014 models of machines for the most part, right? Um, same thing with tractors. There's a big bulge there in that same kind of area where you would expect to see that at. Um, there's a few more tractors on the front side of the graph, uh, the early uh, the early side of that graph, you know, from zero to 500 hours. There's a few more machines now in, in that area than we've seen in probably the last 18 months. 
more new machines have been sold. So you're starting to see some of these one and two year old machines start trickling into the marketplace at a faster pace than we've seen before. Um, but that's that's what I see happen. I mean, I think that's where the draw is at. If it's a, a three year old or newer machine, there's some there's is some bit of a feeding frenzy to kind of get those machines. But what they're trading in is is really kind of softening that marketplace. And um, I would probably agree with this a little bit to some extent that there's some of those uh, you know like a like a smaller ADAR or a, a, you know a 245 horsepower row crop tractor that's kind of a a dairy machine or, or or might be a baling tractor or something like that there there was a ton of those made and especially when cotton was was big it was a big big machine and you, you, there are some fluctuation there that that are that is kind of showing a, a downward trend in in value on some of those well I, I, we're certainly starting to see that in, in the auction market um just looking at a graph here there's a there's a lot of high horsepower tractors on the market in December. Mm-hmm. Was, there were there were a lot, a lot of high horsepower tractors in the market in December. Um, I mean, I'm looking at five times the amount at auction in December over mm-hmm. November. You know, November's not a huge auction month, but it, I, I, I maybe because it was a late harvest, auctioneers were pushing it all off. But there was a lot of volume in the end of last year. Uh, and we're not start. We haven't started seeing it yet. So maybe that could be helping the the prices there versus a little bit lower horsepower class where there is there has been the volume. Yeah, I think also think that the four wheel drive or the the big high horsepower stuff. We're talking, you know, I'm, I'm assuming you're talking 300 horsepower and higher. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. So we start looking at some of these bigger, you know, a 360 horsepower, 350 horsepower, 400 horsepower, 500 horsepower machines even up in the 600 horsepower range, um, there's getting the demand for those is getting higher and, and, and there's more people looking for those units. And if you look at kind of across the board, um, implements are getting bigger, grain carts are getting bigger, combines are getting bigger, your support equipment has got to get bigger with it. I mean, everything about it, things just got to get bigger. And the market is driving towards that. And I think what we're selling now, there's a lot more four-wheel drives we're selling now that have – three-point PTO on them that have that are 500 horsepower machines that we never would have done five years ago so that that turn that we're starting to see it's a shift in 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 production it's a shift in uh um, the way things are done and it's labor driven and it's uh it's implement driven it's it's speed in in the field type of stuff you know some guys are just getting higher horsepower machines just pull a a disc 10 miles an hour or a, con- or a planter 10 miles an hour. So that's, that's where I think a lot of that's coming from. So obviously last year was just hell to right. yeah. every extent. To say the least. You yeah. think, and, and farmers, I think, uh, you know, even according to USDA, they made more money last year than everybody anticipated. The yields, yields were higher. Even mm-hmm. you know, the classic saying rain makes grain, even though it was really wet, yields still came out better than average. Do you think guys are, are upgrading uh, to some of those higher horsepower so they can be a little bit more efficient, just getting more acres under their belt so they never have to run into that weather situation, or less run into that weather situation. Yeah, I think, well, I also got a a lot of those uh, um, MFP payments also play a big role in profitability, Um, especially when you get to areas where they were getting 80 to 100 bucks an acre. I mean, I'm not by no means was that going to make their – 
make their their profitability better, but it made it a lot a lot better on on some of these guys. This thing, yes, to answer your question, I do think that there's a lot of folks out there looking at high speed technology and and what it what it can do for you. Not so much even the the speed of it, but it's the you know the different things, the different agronomics that come on planters. You know, I mean, for example, like an exact emerge. I mean the simulation that you get and the, the emergence that you get and, and all those things that play into that are are a big deal. I mean, the speed of planters used to be the height, the, the selling point, and anymore it, it's, it might be the third or fourth reason to go get that planter. There's a lot of things that play into that, and I think um, – whether it's whether it's a an exact emerge system or a, a precision system, there's just more of the agronomics that are playing into that. So, the the speed is one thing that they're looking at, and we have guys that want high speed discs that are 40 foot wide because yeah, they can still they've always pulled a 35 or 40 foot disc, but now they're going to be able to pull it at eight, nine, 12 miles an hour depending on what it is instead of four and a half or five miles an hour. So they're going to be able to do three times as much. You know, it just makes a difference in, in what you can do. And if you a lot of these things we saw this year, you know, a day made a difference between whether you got something planted at all <laughs> for the year or if you were sitting there just watching it rain for the next three months. It, it did for me. <clears throat> yeah, I started my, I started mudding some beans in and I decided to stop. Glad I did because we got five inches in the next twenty four hours. Yeah, it wouldn't help you at all. <laughs> I was I was I was much better off planting in June than I was in in May. Yep, yep. So, what are some of the big trend lines out there that you're that you're really paying attention to? What are some of the stuff that you're really keeping your eye on? You know, this is this is probably old news, but um, and I know you. I've heard you say it, Casey. In the middle of last year, those uh newer combine and i say newer we always keep talking about the bulge of those 12 13 14 model year equipment but those were sagging in combines last year uh from the middle call it two-thirds of the year from may to to november and then we saw a lot of volume hit in december but prices actually went up and that could be partial to the, the yields that folks saw and uh, the mfp payment uh, and then another cat, another two categories that are not major, but looking at the tillage markets, yeah, um, it's not as fun to talk about. But I, I, I pulled some information on more conventional, call it field finishers and mulch finishers um, that are all twenty four feet wide. More of the conventional tillage stuff is there's less volume out there, and it seems to be a little bit less demand. Whereas vertical tillage, it seems like everybody's hanging on to whatever toolbar they got there and values are going up. And that could be partial to some of the farming practices that are out there. And um, are you seeing the same thing in the dealer market? No, I think there's a lot more stuff happening on the tillage side of the business than we've seen in a while. Um, a lot of it is um, a lot of uh, prevent plant stuff that went in. The guys are looking at having to go back in and completely re- refinish their fields and, and and do some discing and those kind of things there's a lot of uh you know chemical resistant weeds out there now roundup ready uh, roundup resistant weeds and stuff like that that a lot of these no-till guys are thinking about having to go in and, and till and uh disc in what they've got and and you know spray the roundup on top of that stuff and see what they can get done so yeah the tillage market has has really started to change one the one specific thing that i've noticed that there's a there's a rise in across the board is is vertical tillage it seems like it's uh 
it's really catching fire and and more to the fact of minimal till or no till guys are, are really looking at the vertical tillage more than they are looking at a you know a conventional disc type of thing that being said the high speed disc has also got some guys kind of their heads are starting to turn a little bit towards going back in and looking at some of that stuff yeah i mean strength and numbers are, i mean we're looking at 20 20 plus percent that that could be higher in, uh over the last nine months in the vertical tillage market just keeps going up mm-hmm. and then another mark another kind of asset class that's shocking me are, are balers yeah. uh, again a, a smaller smaller subset but it was it was an interesting point i wanted to bring up on here <laughs> there's not volume seems to be going down uh overall but the the values and the the auction results are all saying that the values are going up significantly yep well there is uh there wasn't enough hay made last year in some key areas, right? Some of that stuff uh, got rained out. Some of it just got burned up, depending on where you're at. Um, there's a lot of areas that were that the kind of the dairy market just in the in the the whole uh, feedlot markets are starting to kind of shift geographically from where from some stuff out in California is where it's moving to. So there's some areas that typically weren't real big into uh, in balers and those kind of things have have transitioned into more of that and i really think that the baylor market is it's one of those markets where if you're in the right area it's you're going to get a lot of a lot of good out of baylor i think this year than than more than what you saw even last year which was a really good year as well for baylors yeah and it looks like it looks like that trend is is just going to continue um i don't know if african swine fever and the pork market is obviously uh, influencing what's going on in the beef beef market mm-hmm. uh that alternative protein source and people are willing to pay a little bit more for beef that's what's driving demand over there yeah. uh people may be trying to anticipate what's going on and raise a little bit more hay this year yeah despite there's some correlators there but i mean every all these markets that we see financial markets ag markets commodity markets these just different markets out there it, they're all getting just hammered by this whole coronavirus thing but this uh, the auction market's not reacting to that at all. I mean, guys are are replacing what they need to replace with what they've got, and and uh, it'll be interesting to see how the next couple months kind of play out a little bit and what that looks like. But I think there's a there's another opportunity I think for the the auction market to stay pretty strong going through the remainder of 2020. What are you seeing in sprayers in the dealer market? I mean, sprayers are always getting more popular. We're starting to see a little bit more volume on the auction market. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think BPA auctions is having an auction here in a few days. Uh, a lot of their inventories from co-ops, but they have a bunch of sprayers coming up. Uh, yep. I think they sell in maybe two weeks. I think the, the sprayer market is, is heating up quite, quite nicely. And I think it has a lot to do with the amount of sprayers that nobody traded over from about 2015 to 2017. Um, and the amount of hours that they put on them. So there's a lot of <clears throat> a lot of folks coming back to the marketplace um, ready to buy a sprayer. And um, it's a good opportunity for some folks that would not necessarily have, uh, maybe not quite a big enough operator to have their own sprayer to cover the number acres they need to have to, but some of these 3,500-hour, 4,000-hour machines that they're going to put 100 hours a year on or 80 hours a year on or something like that, um, gives them the opportunity to get into a, 
a fairly nice machine with some decent technology for uh, not not a not a high price tag. So the spray market is definitely heating up. I think there's some opportunity there, um, but it's a price driven market. And when you have a price driven market, you might sell the numbers, but it's not the value is not going to start to climb. It's going to flatten out, and, and there's kind of this is what I've seen with other with other commodity like machines where. There, there's demand for it, but at a certain number. And if it gets above that number, below that number, then there's no, uh, there's no more demand. So it's a, it's a, uh, it's it's heating up for sure. I mean, that's a lot of the that's a lot of the data that we're seeing over on the tractor zoom and iron comp side. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we're we're still pretty pretty surprised to see how much volume there, there's going to be in this March. Uh, it'll be a record that we've seen uh, for sure on the amount of volume. I'm sure some of that is we're going to see a lot of uh, uh, junk. Uh, I, I'd call almost junk come through. I think after this uh, farm renewal season with all the bankers, bankers may have suggested if you have any excess equipment, get rid of it, turn it into cash. Yeah, don't know if you're going to need this year. Um, and then, you know, there's just more retirements. There's a lot of farmers that are still saying I'm hanging my hat and, uh, I'm, I'm tired of farming near break even levels or banking on an MFP payment over the last several years. Yeah. Uh, and, and I'm hearing a lot of that in the, the real estate market as well. I, I keep my, keep my ear, uh, pretty close to what's going on in farmland real estate. And those values are holding pretty firm. So I, and are relatively flat over the last few years it's, it's come down from that 2014 high and uh as, as banks are starting to look at uh the renewals and they, they are really focused on the asset quality and i think they're starting to probe and ask more questions on um more detailed information around equipment so i, I wouldn't be surprised if guys need to fill out a machinery list that has more information than they have in the past yep absolutely absolutely well kyle this is good stuff man um where, what's the best place for folks to go find your information? Where's the best place to go look? Yeah, so the, uh, there's two places. If you're looking for upcoming auctions, uh, go to tractorzoom.com. And if you're looking for auction results um, and, and being able to filter them very granularly, I'd go to ironcomps.com. And this week was was pretty fun for us. Uh, a, a couple key things happened. We launched a new product over on Tractor Zoom called TZ Insights. And it's a subscription-based uh, uh, service that allows people to see auction results as they shop. So if you are uh, surfing around Tractor Zoom, you find something you like, all you have to do is scroll down. You can see all the historical auction results. Or you can be opt- opportunistic if you're at an auction. You can actually scroll, scroll through the catalog as people are selling, and you can start to realize uh, if it's a good or fair price if you should be bidding or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's, it's very mobile friendly for you to make better decisions on the fly. Yeah, so that's, that's, that's been really exciting. And to help launch that product, we're actually giving away a 1980 4440. Oh, right on. Giving away a tractor, huh? Yeah. That's cool. Uh, it's the second time we've done a tractor giveaway. And it was awfully popular and actually broke our servers. It, it <laughs> crashed our tractors in sight on Wednesday. Yeah. That's a, I, that's a, that's kind of a cool thing to have happen if you're that get that much traffic coming through. Yeah, it, it's. Uh, I suppose it's bittersweet. Yeah, 
make it. Fortunately, we pulled a pulled a late night at the office and had all of our software engineers and data folks around to yeah get back on pretty quick. Right on, right on. Well, dude, I, I am I am totally honored that that you guys have uh, have uh, wanted to be a part of the Moving Iron Podcast and, and what we do here. So, guys, uh, make sure you. Uh, Tune in for a lot more of this uh, kind of stuff you hear from from Kyle. Kyle, if guys want to reach out to you and just uh, pick your brain about stuff, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, um, I, I'm personally pretty big on LinkedIn. Uh, you can go to me on LinkedIn or just shoot me an email. Uh, pretty pretty easy to get a hold of at times. Uh, my email is kmcmahon, M-C-M-A-H-O-N, at tractorzoom.com. Right on. All right, Kyle. Well, I appreciate you being on the podcast, man, and we are definitely going to keep this up and uh, listen for this uh, throughout the throughout the coming months here. And until next time, I'm Casey Seymour with Kyle McMahon. Make sure you check out TractorZoom.com and IronComs.com. So until next time, let's go lose some iron, folks. Out. Moving iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people.